How's everybody doing today? Peachy King? I ain't heard that one in a while, Chrissy. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. God, I want to wish everybody, all, the, all my fellow fathers, happy Father's Day today. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Anyway, we're taking a break this week. We've been doing in the middle of a series called Get Out. Have you ever had anybody at church tell you to get out? And it's just basically we've been talking about, hey, uh, being following Jesus isn't just about being in this dome on Sunday mornings. It's about getting out in the world and doing things. It's about living your faith in an active way. And uh, we've been doing that and looking at different opportunities of different things we can do outside of these walls to help other people. But we're taking a break from that today because it's Father's Day. And we are going to be speaking or talking about honoring your father. If you look in your notes, it's right at the top. It says, honor your father, question mark. What is that all about? I'll get to that in a minute. I have a, and I I say I'll get to it in a minute because I got ahead of myself. I wanted to say something else first, so I'll go back. I have a love-hate relationship with with traditional holidays. Anybody else with me? You know? I love traditions. Okay, I, there's some traditions in our family that I love. I love our Christmas tradition. I love uh, what's becoming our vacation tradition. Uh, I love being with my kids and, and enjoying it and just being family. And I love what we do. And at the same time, it's very non-traditional. You know how families typically either do a Christmas Eve thing or a Christmas morning thing. Our tradition isn't that. Our tradition is usually done sometime the week before Christmas. We, uh, it, we started it. We would do it the last day that I worked before Christmas. So if Christmas was on a Monday and the last day I worked was Thursday, we did it Thursday night. When I got home from work, uh, we went out to eat. We came home. We did presents. And we just hung out as a family. And we've continued that tradition. I love that. It is fantastic. Guys, what I don't like about traditional holidays is that they can become really meaningless. You do them, why? Because you're supposed to. How many cards do you think Hallmark will sell this weekend because people feel guilty and they have to get their dad a Christmas or a, a Father's Day card today? You think any of that's going to go on? Yes, shake your head this way. A whole lot of that's going to go on. And guys, the, the, the danger with traditions and traditional holidays like that is that you go through the motion and there's no meaning behind them. You know what I'm saying? And guys, with that in mind, there's a, and I'm all for, I get excited about doing things in a non-traditional way. My wife calls me a rebel. I just like to think of myself as a non-conformist. But God, right now, guys, that's just how I feel about traditional holidays. And right now I want to do, make one announcement. Uh, there's something non-traditional going on here. Uh, going to be going on, what's today, the 16th, 19th. 11 days. 11 days from now. This is crazy. How many times do you hear about a wedding that's going to take a place only 11 days prior? But Kelsey Anderson and Seth Disler are going to be married on June 30th. Is that cool? I started talking about this in first service and Seth goes, I think she wants to keep this a secret. But she texted me and told me it was okay. Guys, non-traditional. There's no baby involved, okay? Let me, let me reassure you, okay? That's, a, that's an old tradition that went by the wayside too, you know it? But guys, they decided, hey, we, we want to get married, and it's a non-traditional deal. They're not getting married in a church building. They're getting married at Alan's house. And they're following. There's another couple did that same thing. Chelsea and, and Matt got married at Alan's house. And it, they, they did it in a different way. You mean it works that way? Yes. It's, it's amazing, guys, that you can do things. You don't have to do things the traditional way. And so, guys, but what we want to talk about today in Father's Day is how do we make honoring our fathers a reality in our lives? You see, because I guarantee you there's a whole lot of people who are going to get cards for their father today or maybe even gifts and maybe even spend time with him who really don't honor their father. They're going through the motions. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're checking it off their list. Maybe it's they don't know what to do or how to do it. But they're just going through the motions. 
And so guys, we want to talk about that. Honor your father, question mark. Does that mean, that could mean, are you honoring your father? It could mean, honor your father. How do I do that? Or it could mean, honor your father. Is that really something we need to worry about anymore? You see guys, we live in a world where there's a lot of, a lot of values that are becoming outdated. You know that? You know, and I believe that honoring your father is one of those. You look at marriage is one that people don't value. I mean, you know, I made the joke about, you know, there's no baby involved. Well, that doesn't mean anything today, does it? People have, have babies and don't bother to get married. When I was a teenager and college age, if there was a baby involved, there was likely to be a wedding involved. People don't value marriage the way they used to. And guys, as a follower of Jesus, we need to understand something. What God values is under attack. It's a very subtle attack until you realize it's real. And guys, I believe with all my heart that when you look at this value of honoring your father, it's something that's, that's not given much attention in America today. And so guys, as I talk about it today, I'm not talking about, hey, I mean, I'm taking advantage of it being Father's Day, but I'm not talking about, okay, this is what you do on Father's Day. We're talking about, this is how you should be towards your father all the time. I have told my children, I do not expect to get anything today from my children. I don't expect a card. I don't expect a gift. You know why? I told them not to. I told them not to. I told them this several years ago because, honestly, I value and appreciate them. I mean, I can be having dinner with them on a Thursday night in March and be ecstatic, just be overjoyed at the family that God's given me and the children that God's given me. I don't need a card on Father's Day. That's just me. I'm not going to knock anybody else who wants one or expects a gift. I'm just saying this is me. And guys, it's, it's a wonderful way of doing things. You want to know, uh, it, just a little story real quick. Uh, Thursday night was it? Wednesday night. Wednesday night, my wife and I are out doing, running around doing some errands. And my son, oldest son, Jonathan, he works for us. And uh, he was out putting a windshield in a semi-truck. The, the trucker didn't get in until late in the afternoon. It's over in Greenville. And at 6.30 at night, he is calling and texting us saying, Hey, I think I have the wrong windshield. He has the, the old windshield out and is rather busted up. And he has the one that needs to go, that he has to put in is the wrong one. And he, uh, you know, what's the big deal about that? You just get another one the next day. No, this guy's got to work the next day. In fact, he's going to, he's getting up at 4.30 in the morning, the trucker is, to go to work. And we're supposed to say, oh, out of luck. And I'll spare you the details, but, you know, I'm, I'm in the... In the old days, I had resources. I had, I had glass in stock. I had connections where I could get in touch with people at warehouses. And that doesn't exist for me anymore. I mean, it just doesn't. So I started scrambling, trying to come up with a glass. And I ended up calling Tim. Tim says, no, call this guy in Mount Vernon. I called the guy in Mount Vernon. He says, let me call a guy. I know a guy. I said, Okay. And so then in the meantime, I call, I call a supplier, a salesman for a supplier in Indianapolis. Because I figure we may have to drive to Indianapolis, pick up the windshield, and get this guy on the road by 4.30 in the morning. And I'm talking to my son, and, and what's really crazy, at one point I tell him, I said, you're just going to have to tell the guy, we'll be back first thing in the morning. I'm sorry, he can't go to work tomorrow. And you can hear it in Jonathan's voice. He's like, that ain't going to fly. You know, and it's just, it was just amazing. We ended up finding a windshield in Nashville, Illinois. He drives from Greenville to Nashville, goes back to Greenville, gets there somewhere in the 9 o'clock range, puts the man's windshield in. And incidentally, his truck wouldn't start the next morning. Not because of us. <laughs> Not because of us. But we busted it. But then I get up the next morning, and I have to text my son, who's sound asleep. Because he decided to do another one after that at a trucking company since he was up and didn't get in until 1.30 in the morning. But he, I text him, I go, son, I, I'm just so proud of you. 
I, said, I am just amazed at the man you are and the man you're becoming. And I said, the way that you handled that situation, and there was not a hint of whining or complaining. There wasn't a question. I mean, he was like, no, we have got to get this done tonight. Was his attitude towards this. And very eager and very enthusiastic. And I'm just texting him going, I am just amazed. And he, he texts me back after he wakes up and he says, thanks, Dad. I love you too. I learned it all from you. I don't need a card on Father's Day. And guys, that's what, that's what our relationship with our dads should be like. Okay? So if you want to use today as a time to say, okay, let's be a reminder. But I just really want to encourage you to have a relationship with your father every day of the year. Okay? Every day of the year. And I know I'm way too long on this introduction. So let's get moving, shall we? Guys, when it comes to honoring your father, if you look at these first two passages here that are in your notes, Ephesians chapter 6 and Exodus chapter 20, and since Exodus chapter 20 is quoted in Ephesians 6, we're just going to read it to you. Um, Read that one. It says, Children, obey your parents, because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. Guys, I I, I put that passage there um, simply to put it out there. Honoring our father. You know, in Exodus chapter 20, it's part part of the Ten Commandments. Ephesians chapter 6, it's repeated, and it emphasizes that there's a promise attached to it. Honoring your father is something that God values. It's something that God expects us to do. And guys, so with that in mind, I want to I look first off, because say, what, what's going to happen? You know, what are the benefits, if you will? That's what Ephesians 6 says, there's a promise. So let's look at, if I honor my father... I will, number one, I will live a long life. I will live a long life. That's what Ephesians 6 that we just read says. There are some things in the Bible that really don't need much explanation. And this is one of them. What does it say? It's the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will live a long life on this earth. Does anybody have a desire to live a short life? It it, it just doesn't exist. Everybody, if it's your desire, we want to live a long life. That is the benefit of honoring your father and your mother. But we're talking about father today, so there you go. Moving on, the second thing. If I honor my father, I will become a new person. What does that mean? Become a new person? There's a verse I left out of my notes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it talks about us becoming a new creation, a new creature. And guys, becoming a new creation is what we are called to. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should not be the same next year as you are today. Did you know that? And ten years from now, you should be a whole lot different. That is the way it is. Let me read this for you in Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. But what's going on in Galatians is there's an argument over whether new Christian males need to be circumcised or not. Now, we're not talking about babies. All right? It's adults. Do they need to be circumcised if they make a decision to follow Jesus and they've never been circumcised before? Because that was a Jewish law. And they don't, by the way. But this is what it says in Galatians chapter 6. It says, it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. You see, guys, if you're in this room today, I'm assuming that you have some interest in following Jesus. Which means that you should be interested. You have been called. God expects you to become a new creation. 
Now I say that, guys, because that's not something, quite honestly, most of us think about. That, that's not a natural thought process for us. That has to be chosen. But guys, here's the thing. If you look back up in Ephesians chapter 6 that we just looked at, in verse 3 it says, If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. Now, most of you probably know this, but the Bible, the New Testament, was originally written in a language called Koine Greek. And I don't know Koine Greek. It's been translated into English, and I'm very happy for that. But I understand that sometimes there are things that are lost in translation. I don't know if lost is the right word. Uh, you, just, you just don't get the full meaning. And so you go back, and they have tools online. It's called a Greek Interlinear Translation. And what it does is you look at the English word, and it shows the Greek word, and then it shows what the Greek word means. And guys, I, I bring this up because this phrase, things will go well for you. The word that is translated, things will go well, what it means, it has two concepts behind its meaning. One of them is to be created, and the other is to be changed. It says it's to become or be made anything, be changed or converted, to take the character of something. You see, guys, what Paul is saying here in Galatians 6 is that that's what counts when it comes to following Jesus, is that you are being transformed, you are being changed. And what Paul is saying in Ephesians 6 is that is what happens when you honor your father and mother. See guys, there's a connection. If you're a real follower of Jesus and you're trying to become a new creation, you cannot ignore honoring your parents. It's foundational. Guys, that's one of the things that will happen if you honor your father. Uh, The third thing is that I will value what God values. How do you know God values this? Here's the interesting thing. We've got Exodus 20 up there in the top of your notes, and that's from the Ten Commandments, right? And you think, ooh, honor your father and mother. That's one of the Ten Commandments. And made the top ten pretty important. Actually, it made the top five. Did you know that? It's number five. And in case you didn't know it also, it's one of these things that I, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to. The Ten Commandments are in order of priority. Did you know that? God is more interested in you having no other gods before Him, is more interested in that than He is in you not stealing. Okay? I mean, I understand that if you're going to have no other gods and you're going to honor God, you're not going to steal. But if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four are about our relationship with God. And the last five are about our relationship with other people. And number five is about us honoring our parents. And this is, what, this is what God says. He says, the Ten Commandments, what they tell us by their order is, listen, He goes, people, I want you to have a relationship with me. And that starts with having a relationship with your family, specifically your parents. And then you worry about having a relationship with other people. Guys, it's a huge significance. When you look at... Families in America today, the family is broken down. And, I, and like I told you, this, this battle that we're having is very subtle. We don't notice it. People laughed at George Bush, the first George Bush, in 1988 or 92, I forget which one it was, where he was on his presidential campaign and he was talking about family values. But you don't have to look very far to look around and to realize that family values are something people throw out. And guys, I'm here to tell you, we need to make sure that we're going to value what God values. In Matthew chapter 15, we're going to get to that later, but it it emphasizes God values how we treat our parents. But it goes even further in Luke chapter 2, in verses 51 and 52. One of the things I love about the Bible is how it can say so much in so few words. And this is one of those passages where that's going on. Now let me set it up for you just a minute. What's going on in Luke chapter 2 is Jesus is 12 years old. 
And he goes to Jerusalem with his family for a feast to worship. And basically they're, they're traveling in a large caravan, which was normal. Uh, the family thought that Jesus was with somebody else in the caravan. They get a day or two out and find out Jesus isn't there. Go back, find him in the temple, talking with the teachers of the law and baffling them with his wisdom. And his parents say, what are you doing? Don't you know we were worried? And Jesus says, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Sounds like a teenager, doesn't it? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? And guys, that's what sets it up. But this is what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 51 and 52. It says, Then he returned to Jerusalem with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Here you go, guys. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, guys, what this is telling me is how highly God values how a child interacts with their parents. Well, how does it tell us that? Well, Jesus is the Son of God. He sent him here to live on the earth as a human being, and he entrusted him to Mary and Joseph. Here's the deal. Jesus is God's son. He's sent to live with human parents while he's here on the earth. And we know very little about his upbringing. We knew very little about his life. Honestly, from the time he was born, the time he was a toddler, we know nothing until he was 12. And this is it. This is all we know about him in his, in his quote-unquote childhood. And we know nothing from the age of 12 to the age of 30. For eight, I want to rephrase that. We know very little. And we know a lot. Those 18 years. You know what we know about those 18 years? We know no, two words. We just read them. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature with God and man. You see, guys, he went through the normal human process of having to mature. He wasn't born with all the tools. He was human just like us. And how did he grow and mature? All we know about those 18 years is his, he, will, he was obedient to his parents. I don't know about you, but I think God values how we interact with our parents pretty high. He had trusted his son to human parents. I mean, I, think about it, guys. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute. But he is God. He is God. Mary and Joseph are human beings. How hard for it? Do you think he knew when Mary and Joseph were asking him to do something that wasn't necessarily the best? I mean, because let's face it. Anybody's parents make mistakes? Anybody's parents, now I'm not talking abusive, we'll get to that in a minute. Anybody's parents, you know, a little too hard on you sometimes? You remember that? Anybody's parents too lenient on you? Yeah, 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 yeah. They made mistakes. But Jesus was obedient to them. And what happened? He grew. This, is, this was the process that God put His own Son through. It's significant. It's significant. The fourth thing, guys, that will happen if I honor my parents, is I'll mature in my faith. I will mature in my faith. Guys, in Hebrews chapter 11, God tells us that it is impossible to please Him without having faith. And what that means is that faith is, means you're going to take action off something you can't prove. Okay? You're going to take action off something you can't prove. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you cannot see. I spoke to a, uh, someone a few months back, a young man, who was not sure about whether he believed in God or not. He said, I just don't see the evidence either way. And as I spoke with him, I said, well, you need to understand, you have to have faith either way. You see, because if you, if you believe in God, if you believe God created this world and Jesus was His Son and all that, you can't go into a court of law and prove it. Not with hard, tangible evidence. So Jesus says, you've got to believe it 
because it was said. But you can't prove it. You can't see it. And it's the same with an atheist. An atheist cannot prove that God doesn't exist. The Big Bang Theory is a theory. I know it's presented as fact in science, but it's still considered a theory. And they point to what evidence, and the people who believe there's no God believe what they consider the weight of the evidence points to no God. And the people who believe in God point to the weight of the evidence is that He does exist. Not that it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, but it takes faith. God expects you to have faith. And in Hebrews chapter 12, he goes on and he talks about, and I encourage you to go back and read it. We're going to look at a passage of it here in just a minute. But what he, what he says is that we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. And then he goes on, what, is, what is he saying? You trusted your, your parents. You trusted your father was disciplining you the right way and was training you the right way. And he's saying, how much more should we entrust our lives to God? You see, guys, here's the situation. If you don't trust your father, you're probably going to have a hard time trusting God. That is the truth of the matter. There is a huge connection there. Jesus was matured in his faith. Through being obedient to his parents. If you're going to honor your father, you will mature in your faith. So how do I do it? How do I do it? That's what we want to talk about. Those were my instructions. I was to talk about how to honor your father. Number one, I will honor my father when I remember what he's done for me. When I remember what he's done for me. Guys, here is the, here's the passage. Oh, let me just stop there. Let me talk for a minute. I should not get too close to that speaker. I meant to say this earlier and I didn't, but I'll say it now. I plan on expounding upon it now. Um, as a young man, I had a huge problem with my father. In fact, by the time I was 22 years old, I had decided that I had a few things that I had to take care of uh, in helping my mother, that I had to deal with my father. But I had made a decision that I w- after those things were done, I was done with my father. I had decided that, uh, you know, he would not be invited to my wedding. I had decided that he would not know my, my children. That was my decision. It's interesting, I have a younger brother who's, who's fulfilling that decision at this time. But that was my decision. I looked at him and I said, you know, you just, you checked out. You weren't there enough. You never got it right. And I decided, I'm done. Now an interesting thing happened right after that. I started getting serious about my relationship with God. And I realized that that attitude and those feelings were, couldn't, didn't jive with following Jesus. And so I worked on reconciling with my father, and it, it, it's, it's been a process. But you see, guys, what was the problem was, all I remembered was the bad things he's done, or the things that I thought were bad. Let me say that too. Alright? He, he was not what I would consider an ideal father. He made mistakes. Guys, look at this passage here, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 says, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. Now guys, there's two things about that. He's talking about, hey look, your earthly father disciplined you. Alright? And you respected them for it. What does that mean? You recognized that what they were doing was good for you. The second thing it does, it recognizes that they were imperfect in that. 
So it says they did the best that they knew how. You see, guys, that was my situation with my dad. I focused on all the wrong things. I had a conversation with a young man a while back. And I'd heard a rumor about something he had said. And so I was asking him about it. And I said, I'm ask, I, I've heard that you were said that before this one point in time, this milestone in his life, I said, before that, your father was the best dad in the world. And you said that after that, he was the worst dad in the world. I said, is, is that what you said? And he says, yes, I did. I said, is that what you meant? <laughs> you know, is that what you stand by? He said, yes, that's what I stand by. Guys, you've got to remember what your father's done for you. And if you remember what your father has done for you, it's going to lead to two things. Number one, you're going to thank him. And number two is you're going to forgive him. Those are the two things. You see, guys... My dad used to say, especially when I was a teenager, he would tell me, he'd say, uh, you won't understand this until you have kids of your own. He was right. And you see, I, I, I had this, even after I reconciled with my dad, I struggled with what he didn't do. I struggled with him not being there. I struggled with him, you know, with the divorce and with him remarrying and, and other children getting his attention and, and, you know, not getting the attention that I thought I should have got before about him not being the father that I thought he should be. And I was determined that I was going to be a better husband and a better father than him. And after I'd been a father for a while, I took a look at myself and I go, I'm not doing things so hot myself. I'm missing the boat here. And I don't know what possessed me. I don't know what challenged or, you know, what brought this up because I was aware of these facts. But I don't know how it all came to be. But what happened was, I knew my father. My father was in, lived his high school years, his four years of high school in a foster home. Okay? And, and I don't have time to tell you that story. It's, it, it, it's a God story. Well, God arranged it. It was really remarkable. That was where he made a decision to follow Jesus. It was all at church camp while he was living in that foster home. He went on to Bible college where he met my mother. Here I am. I knew he spent four years in a foster home. But I didn't put all the details together. You see, what happened was when my father was 12... He was homeless with his father. And they were traveling around, hitchhiking around Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee. And somewhere along the line, uh, he got sent from wherever they were. He took a bus ride back up to Rockford, Illinois, as a 12-year-old by himself, <laughs> and, and to where his mother was living. And he lived with his mom. Now, he's 12 years old. He stopped living with his dad and went to live with his mom. When my father was 36, my grandfather passed away. 24 years from the time my dad was living with his father to where the time my grandfather passed away. 24 years. Do you know how many times my father saw his father during those 24 years? Three times. Three times. The only time we saw our grandfather was he showed up on our door one day unexpectedly. My mother didn't let him in. And he stayed for two weeks and then left. That's the only time as kids we saw our grandfather. Now, when I compared the job my dad did to the job that his dad did, he was a lot better than I thought. I mean, we knew where my dad was. I mean, even after the divorce, we found him. Even after the divorce, we, I spent time with him. I could call him at work. He had these sales jobs where you could get on the phone and call him during the day. I saw him more in one day sometimes than he saw his dad for 24 years. 
He was much more interactive than, than his father. Guys, when I realized what my dad had done, my attitude changed. Was he perfect? No. Not at all. And neither am I. But guys, you've got to remember what they've done and thank you for it. I lived in one house. That's all I can ever remember. I was told I'd live in a different house when I was a toddler, but I can only ever remember living in one house. He was homeless. My dad was homeless. Because my grandfather wasn't responsible enough to hold a job and support a family. My dad did a good job. Perfect job? No. No. You see, guys, you've got to thank, remember what your dad's done and thank him for it. And the second thing, and I've already mentioned, they haven't put it up there, is you need to, you need to forgive him. You need to forgive him. Because he was imperfect. And let me step out here real quick. Okay, because we're going to talk about forgiveness. And I know in a crowd this size, I was not physically abused. I was spanked. I was not physically abused. I was not sexually abused. I was emotionally neglected. If there was an abuse there, that's what it was. I know some of you in this room just because of a room this size and because I know society some of you in this room were abused by your fathers and guys I'm not going to try to explain it I'm not going to try to do away with it but forgiveness is to be your response at this point in time over this And I'm not claiming that to be easy. But guys, let's look at what this has to say here. In Matthew chapter 6, this is what Jesus says. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your your Father will not forgive your sins. In Matthew 18, it says that you will be tormented or tortured Mentally, I believe is what it's talking about, unless you forgive your whoever sins against you from the heart. Guys, forgiveness is a part of following Jesus. And when it comes to honoring your father, it says, I realize that you were imperfect. But you're the one that brought me into this world. And you did some good things for me. And I'm going to thank you for those. And I'm going to forgive you for the things that you did wrong. Because you are my father. Second thing, guys, is that I respect my father, excuse me, I honor my father when I respect him. When I respect him. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17, this is what it says, The eye that mocks a father and despises a mother's instruction will be plucked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. I, I should have had that one on the, on the wall at home when raising the kids, shouldn't I? <laughs> and take them out and find them some roadkill and let them know what a vulture is. Guys, when it comes to respecting your father, there's, there's two aspects of it that I want to talk about. And the first one is, is obeying, obeying your father. So what Ephesians 6 says that we read right off the bat is children obey your parents. Now, in this country, we have this little thing called 18 years of old and you're, you're free. You familiar with that? My daughter turned 18 in January. She's out of high school now. And I tell her that all the time. You're 18. Your decision. But guys, you know, Ephesians 6 doesn't say, children obey your parents until you're 18 years old and out of the house. It doesn't say that. Nowhere in Scripture does it place a restriction or a limitation on how long we're to obey our parents. Now, it's interesting, Alan was telling me afterwards that this, this word, obey, 
isn't like you, you know, when you think obey, what do you think? You think, you think, here's the command, now do what I say. Right? I had an illustration during first service of my oldest son, Jonathan, and I, uh, I advised him, I, you know, uh, a little while back he had a job offer. He graduated uh, with a degree in mechanical engineering and has yet to find a job. He had a job offer that wasn't in his field that I didn't think he should take. I didn't think he should take, so I told him, I don't think you should take that job. And uh, he didn't take that job. It wasn't that I was commanding him, do not take that job. Obey your father. Okay? And the word obey in this, in this, in this, in the, the, again, going back to the Greek word, is to be persuadable. It's not a matter of do you do everything they say. It's a matter of are you persuadable? Are your, are, is your mind set in concrete and not open to listening at all? I mean, it's very clear. I don't tell my kids. They're 18, 20, and 22. I let them make some mistakes. I let them make a whole lot of mistakes. And when I step in, my goal is for them to listen and to be persuadable. Not that I can exercise my authority. <laughs> Look at these passages here, guys. In Romans chapter 1 and in 2 Timothy chapter 3, these, I'm going to call them, what I say, parallel passages. And what they're saying, they're, they're telling... Both passages are talking about terrible times, about the way people will be when things get really bad. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 30. It says, they are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. Now, I don't know about you, when I look at this list, and I encourage you to go back to all of Romans 1 and look at everything it says there. Okay? Disobeying your parents kind of stands out as, what's that in there for? I tell you, what it's in there for is God values it that much. God values our listening to and honoring and obeying our parents that much. That when we don't do it, it ranks up there pretty bad as the, as the worst stuff possible. In 2 Timothy 3, it's the same thing. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents and ungrateful they will consider nothing sacred nothing sacred guys obeying our parents is a serious matter being persuaded is a serious matter and that leads us to the second thing I wanted to talk about under this of what respect is it's obeying but it's also including him in my life I have the ability to speak into my children's lives, to persuade them, as I was telling you about with Jonathan and the job, because they include me. They're honoring me by making me a part of it. I don't hesitate. I don't feel like I'm overstepping my bounds. You know, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything, or oh, maybe I may be out of line. No. I'm a parent, and they expect it. You know, I told my daughter something. <laughs> this is this is typical 18-year-old. We were talking. I was giving her some advice on going to college in August, and we were at the dinner table, and uh, I was like, "This was after dinner," and I said, "Hey, this is," and I, I gave her my piece of advice. I said, "Look, this is what I would do if I was you." And he she says. She says, again, this is, better than a birth, this is better than a Father's Day card. She says, Dad, that's some really good advice. Not sure I'll do it. <laughs> and I didn't get to probe that. She may think, oh, that's too hard, or, you know, hey, there's other reasons, extenuating circumstances. But she's persuadable. She's willing to listen. 
She's including me. I didn't feel like I was, I was stepping out of bounds. Third thing, guys, is I will honor my father when I reward him. When I reward him. And guys, specifically when you look at this, uh, I talked about this earlier in Matthew 15. This is what it says. Jesus is challenged about not washing his hands and him and his disciples not washing their hands before they eat because the religious people had made that a rule that said you're supposed to do it. It was one of their traditions. And Jesus, they said, why, don't you, why do you break our tradition? And Jesus replied, he said, why do, you, why do you by your traditions violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, it is all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you. For I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say, they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. Now, very specifically, guys, what they are talking about here is they are talking about back in the day, they didn't have nursing homes. They didn't have extended care. They didn't have assisted living. Wait, they did have assisted living. You know what it was called? Children. That was it. When people got old and they needed somebody to take care of them, what happened? The children took care of them. They did not ship them off to a nursing home because they didn't exist for starters. But guys, how many of you have a plan right now to go to a nursing home? Who wants to... Seriously, does anybody want to finish the last years of their life in a nursing home? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody did then either. Guys, my wife and I, our parents are are all in their mid to late 70s. And we have watched and continue to watch the physical and mental decline of our parents. You know, my mom actually had a stroke at Jonathan's wedding last August. And we have discussed what to, what do we do? Because I don't want to go to a nursing home. I really don't. If I don't want to go to a nursing home, do you think I ought to put my parents in a nursing home? If I have the capabilities of taking care of them? Guys, you will get to the point where you, you have to make decisions. Where you become, instead of being taken care of by your parents, you have to take care of your parents. And let me just say, it starts a lot earlier than nursing home age. Okay, one of the things I enjoy, I mean, I'm 53 years old. And people ask me when I turned 50, they said, did you notice yourself going downhill? I said, no, it had already started going downhill. The problem was it picked up speed. And it was one of the things I've got to learn is what? There's some things physically, uh, no, let's let the boys do it. You know, the night Susan was wanting a bed moved out of Jesse's room, and it's like, the boys are here. I'm not getting up. I'm not. They can cape. They can cape. They needed a tool. I went and got the tool for them. But I let them do it. Why? Guys, that's what honoring your father is about, is you take care of him. What does that mean? And that can mean all kinds of things. It was a few years back that I held up Robert and Don Vogel. And I actually had uh, John Vogel, Robert's father. He's passed away now. But he came up here and, was, was, and we just got to talk about how Robert and Don chose, instead of putting him into a nursing home, they had him live in their home. Now, they, they, he did go on to an assisted living, which was good for him. They decided, look, this is what he needs. He needed that kind of interaction. Instead of being at home at their house all day, he was around people. They took care of him with what he needed. Guys, if we're going to honor our parents, we need to be prepared to do that, whatever that means. Whatever that means. 
There are parents, of, you know, uh, Susan has talked about her parents are planning on going to the nursing home. They're expecting to. They don't want to have to impose on us. And we have discussed what it would be like, the difficulty of what it would be like, how we would handle it. Why? It's not here yet, but it's, there's a good possibility we're going to have to come to a decision on things like this. There's a movie I highly recommend seeing. It'd be a great Father's Day movie if you're going to sit around a movie. It's called Dad. Have you ever remember the movie? Ted Danson was in it. Wonderful movie. I highly recommend you go get it. I found it on cable a few months back and DVR'd it. And uh, at the end of the movie, Ted, Chad's taking care of his dad. His dad's sick. And, and somebody's questioning him, why are you doing this? And he talks about, look, dad went to a crappy job for 40 years that he didn't want to do. Because that was the right thing to do. He took care of us. He sent us to college. When he left the job, nobody cared. Nobody misses him. He goes, and I just think it's time that I do something for him. I just think it's time I take care of him. And it's a wonderful movie about how children look at what their, their parents have done for them or come to realize what their parents have done for them. And they help them. They reward them for the job they did. Guys, I don't know where you're at today. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon with, with your fathers. And guys, I just want to let you know... Everything I talk about up here is prefaced on one thing. And as like I said earlier, I believe the majority of you in this room, if you're here today, you're here because you're interested in following Jesus. Honoring your Father is, a significant, is significant to following Jesus. If you're not honoring your Father, it's going to be difficult to truly follow Jesus. And I bring that up, guys, because I am most in, I'm not just interested in getting everybody to treat your dad right. I'm interested in people treating their dad right because they're following Jesus. Because that has eternal implications. And so, guys, wherever you are today, there's a communication card in your, in your bulletin. That if you have a prayer request or you're convicted about something, hey, I need to do better or how can I do better, jot it down. Our prayer team is confidential. They don't read it to everybody. They pray about it amongst themselves. And then we'll do it. All right, let's pray and we'll be done. All righty? Father God, you are the perfect Father. And Father, I, I don't claim to understand everything. But I do claim to understand some basics. And that is that how I treat my father, how I interact with my father, impacts my relationship with you. The way I view my father impacts my relationship with you. The way I treat my father. Father, I just want to pray right now that we can choose to honor our fathers the way you want us to. That we can understand that... We're not really following Jesus if we don't honor our fathers the way you want us to. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.